Good morning, and happy Sabbath. Thank you for inviting me to lunch. Hey, children, uh, I forgot to tell you one important part of my story. It's true, those things that happened are true, and, uh, and the lesson was valid. But I sort of made it sound like, by telling a lie, good things happened, because we ended up with a with a wooden raft to float down the river. It fell apart. It never floated. That's the truth. It was a lot of work for naught. You've heard me speak. Many of you will have heard me speak before uh, where I talked about the Medal of Honor, the Congressional Medal of Honor, the highest honor, uh, military honor, that this country bestows. I, I build a lot of presentations around that. I do a lot of leadership training in law enforcement built around that theme. And uh, I want to start with that again, just reminding you that the, the Medal of Honor is the highest award, military award, that our country bestows. And uh, it is our way. The word on there says valor. The word that's written on the, on the award says valor. But we call it the Medal of Honor. It's our way of honoring. It's the highest honor we have to show for, uh, for military acts of, uh, of, of courage. And part of the honor that goes with it, in addition to the medal itself, is that those recipients of the honor continue to receive honor in the form of free military flights, in the form of a pension. They are automatically eligible to be buried in Arlington National Cemetery. Their children are automatically eligible to be enrolled in the service academies. Um, so that honor uh, continues. And then aside from those who are recipients of the Medal of Honor, our country has learned to be pretty good at honoring veterans in general. Would you agree? I mean, compared to where we were uh, 40 or more years ago, things have changed a lot in how much honor we show uh, to our veterans. As evidence of that, some of you probably have been uh, to the welcoming home of the honor flights when the, uh, when the uh, for example, the Old Glory Honor Flight and others have gone out, have taken military veterans out to Washington, D.C. to see the World War II Memorial or the Korean War Memorial. And then when they come back home, I mean, it's an elaborate process, but when they come back home, they, all these people are there to cheer for them as they, uh, as they come back to the airport. And so there again, we're showing our country's value in showing honor to veterans. But you know, for our country, that's about where it stops. We don't do a lot of honoring, especially if you compare us to other countries. For example, how we treat our elderly. Think about how other countries honor, revere, respect the elderly in their society. And we largely don't. In other societies, even older brothers and sisters, just because they're older brothers and sisters, have a special uh, delegation of honor that is bestowed upon them by the younger siblings. In other countries, it is not unusual to see a bow of respect, a way of honoring somebody. Or perhaps even standing when somebody comes into a room. We used to do that in this country. A woman would come into the room, men would stand up. The only people we stand up for now is the judge. When he comes into the judge, 
into the courtroom, all rise, we all stand, he sits down, we sit down. That's about the only place that that habit is left in our country, I think. But in other countries, that's very different. So we have, in many ways, become a country of dishonor rather than a country of honor. There are, there are people and programs, uh, movements to try to restore that. I, I was recently at the Boys and Girls Brigade downtown Nina, and I noticed as I was walking out, as you go out the door, right over the top of the door, it says, Return with Honor. And they're trying to instill that, uh, that sense of, of being honorable and showing honor to the young people who go there. Well, according to the thesaurus, uh, words that are similar, that are uh, synonymous with honor, are esteem, respect, paying homage to, assigning value to. The Greek word translated honor, as it's used in our English Bibles, that Greek word is tomeo, which means to prize or to fix a value upon, to revere. Showing honor then means treating each other or treating another person respectfully because we value them highly. In Romans 13:7, Paul talks to us about honoring others. And here's the way he says it. Render therefore to all their due. Taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. So there you have it, one of the great leaders, one of the great writers in the New Testament, giving you instruction how to live your life, and he's telling you, honor the people who you should honor. But who should we honor? He didn't, he didn't answer that directly for us at that point. So who should we honor? When we think about honoring in the Bible, what's the first thing? Honor who? Honor God. Give me one more. What comes next in your mind? Honor your father and your mother. It comes right out of the fifth commandment. The first one directed at how you interact with men. The first four commandments, how we honor God. The next six commandments, how we honor man, how we deal with man. And it says that we should honor our father and our mother. All right, we'll talk about that, but how is it exactly that we show honor? If you remember, uh, back in 2 Samuel, uh, you, you remember the friendship of David and Jonathan. Remember that? David and Jonathan were such good friends. They were very closely bound. Jonathan, of course, died with his father in battle, and, uh, and David asks later on, who can I show honor to in Jonathan's family? I want to show honor for my friend Jonathan. I want to honor his family. And that's when they come up with the name Mephibosheth, that one that you trip over trying to pronounce so many times. Mephibosheth, the lame boy, is one of the descendants. And so David bestows great honor to Mephibosheth, not so much because he's trying to honor Mephibosheth himself, but he's honoring his friendship with Jonathan. Jonathan's no longer even with us, but he still wants to show honor to Jonathan. And so he has Mephibosheth eating at his table, uh, and, and uh, he gives him fields that he owns and, and, uh, and takes care of, the servants take care of. So he shows great honor to him. In the very next chapter, let's see, let me find where this is in, in uh, 2 Samuel. I think it's uh, right in the area of 2 Samuel 9. If you want to turn there. 2 Samuel 9 is 
David's kindness to Mephibosheth. That is the way it is outlined in my Bible. And then in the very next chapter, uh, chapter 10, uh, I'll just read from there. I'm reading from the New King James. It happened after this that the king of the people of Ammon died. Okay, So the king of Ammon has died, and Hanan, his son, reigned in his place. And David said, I will show kindness to Hanan, the son of Nahash, because his father showed kindness to me. So he is sending some servants over there. That goes very bad. But you understand what David's motivation is here. He wants to honor the new king of Ammon because of the relationship he had with the father. He doesn't have a relationship with the son. But in memory of the father, who is no longer with us, he's passed away, he's gone, but still wants to show honor to him and uh, and reaches out to Nahan. Of course, Nahan... Uh, they cut the, cut the beards off the guys and cut the buttocks off of their clothing and send them away in shame. That doesn't go well for them. But turn over one more chapter. So we have, we have him in 9 showing honor to Jonathan's family. In chapter 10, showing honor to the descendant of the king of Ammon. And in chapter 11, if you have a heading at the, at the beginning of your chapter, what does the heading say? What is it? Yeah, mine says David and Bathsheba. And so here this champion of honor suddenly does the most dishonorable thing to one of his leading men. That's David. But there are some things that we can learn from that. One Bible writer says this, The truth is that we will never sincerely respect, prize, value, or honor anyone until and unless we start with an attitude of meekness Honoring and respecting others will not happen when a superior or holier-than-thou attitude is present. Paul tells us to esteem others better than ourselves in Philippians 2.3. That's part of the recipe for honoring others, including honoring our mother and our father. Because some people would say, and very honestly so, my parents have treated me very poorly and do not deserve honor. We'll come back to that thought. Well, who else, besides the parents in the fifth commandment, who else are we instructed as children of God to honor? First Peter gives us some guidance. First Peter 3, 7. He says that wives should submit to their husbands. And in Hebrews 13.4, it says that marriage is honorable above all. So the point here is, in all the instructions of Paul and of Peter, that spouses should have an honoring relationship to each other. Men should honor their wives. Wives should honor their husbands. That's part of the biblical command as well. Next, who else do we honor? In Leviticus 19.32, here's a verse we never quote. I'll bet nobody here knows Leviticus 19.32 off the top of their head. I never hear this one quoted, but it's remarkable. It means more to me as I get older. It says this, You shall rise before the gray-headed. And honor the presence of an old man. 
How did we lose that? And we're quoting scripture about our behavior and how we should treat people. And all. How is it that we've missed that one? That we should rise before the gray-headed and honor the presence of an old man. The message there is clear. We should be honoring the elders. We should be honoring those who are older than us. Those who have been around a long time, who've lived a long life, been through many things that we have not experienced. We should honor those people. Paul is giving us further instruction on who to honor in, uh, in his letter to Timothy. In 1 Timothy 5.17, he says this, Let the elders who rule... Now, elders, he doesn't mean old person. He means the, the people in the church. Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. So those ministers of the gospel... Those people who are working um, for the gospel, your pastor and the others, your conference leaders who are working to further the gospel in this area are worthy of double honor. Double honor. In that same letter to Timothy, just a chapter later, Paul says, let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor. He's really talking about slaves here, honoring their masters. He says, so that the name of God and his doctrines may not be blasphemed. But I'll put that into modern vernacular for you. Honor your boss. Honor your boss. Not make might make you want to squirm in your seat just a little bit, depending upon who your boss is. And I know that regardless of your position, everybody here has a boss. Honor your boss. In that same letter, Paul tells Timothy to honor widows. He actually says a little bit more than that. He says, honor widows who really are widows. And so you have the suggestion that perhaps there were hoaxes and scams in those days too. There were people parading themselves as widows perhaps that weren't. But Paul says, honor widows who really are widows. And then Peter has the nerve to add one more to that list. And perhaps this is the hardest one of all. In 1 Peter 2.17, it says that we should honor the king. And it's king without a capital K. It's not talking about King Jesus. It's talking about your ruler, your political ruler. And that that is someone that we should honor. Did Peter possibly, could he, did he really know what he was saying there, that we should honor the king? He's actually got that in a long list of things. A long list of, of uh, commands, if you will, or imperatives. And he ends it by saying, honor the king. When Peter wrote that, who was king? A guy named Nero. Know anything about Nero? He killed Christians. And Peter says, honor the king. So we have to wrestle with a question then. 
we honor our father and mother, but what about when mom's an alcoholic and dad is a criminal and abuses his children? Remember when David was given the kingdom? Saul, or Samuel, I'm sorry, anointed him to take over for Saul. God's blessing had been taken away from Saul. David had been anointed the next king, but Saul was still in place. David would be the successor. Saul's chucking spears at him, and David is on the run. He's living in the wilderness, fleeing from Saul, who is out to kill him. And you remember the two stories in particular, the one where David sneaks into the camp of Saul and stands right over the sleeping Saul, everybody's sound asleep. And the one where uh, Saul sneaks into the cave and David's hiding, David is hiding in that very cave and cuts a corner of, his, of Saul's robe off. And everybody's encouraging David. They're saying, now's your chance. God has given him into your hands. Strike him and you're the king. You remember what David's response always was? Something along the lines of, I am not, who am I to raise my hand against God's anointed? This is a man who's trying to kill David very clearly, hunt him down like an animal and kill him. And yet David honors Saul because he recognizes that God is the one who put him in that position. David says, if God's going to have me be king, he'll take care of that. I don't have to make that happen. God puts Saul in his king, and until God changes that, I'm not doing anything to force it. He honors Saul, not because he likes the decision Saul is making, not because Saul is being good to him, not because Saul has earned David's trust or respect. But David recognizes that Saul is in a position that God put him in. And David's going to honor that. In Acts, in Acts, I forgot the chapter here. Somewhere is along 23 or so. See if I can find it quickly. Yeah, it's chapter 23, right at the beginning. Verse 1. Again, I'm reading from the New King James. And this is, this is the point where Paul has been uh, taken. He's gone back to Jerusalem. Everybody warned him, don't go back there. Bad things are going to happen. He goes back to Jerusalem. Uh, they have captured him. And, uh, and now they're having these little hearings against him. And so starting of chapter 20, starting at the beginning of chapter 23, then Paul, looking earnestly at the council, said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. Makes, makes a nice plea, living in good conscience. And the high priest, Ananias, commanded those who stood by him to strike him on the mouth. And then Paul said to him, Well, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. I love that line. God will strike you, you whitewashed wall, for you sit to judge me according to the law, and do you command me to be struck contrary to the law? And those who stood by said, Do you revile God's high priest? Then Paul, immediately apologizing, 
I didn't know, brethren, he was the high priest. For it is written, you shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. You see the flip-flop that Paul does? He's, he's ready to get up in this guy's face until he recognizes it's the high priest. It's somebody appointed by God. Even though the high priest is saying, punch that guy in the mouth, Paul fully realizing that when he recognizes this is a position, this is the high priest, this is an appointment by God, Paul's not going to mess with that. He's going to honor that. And so the lesson, I think, is clear for us that whether it's father and mother, whether it's boss, whether it's king, when we're thinking about honoring, whether they deserve our honor or not, that's the wrong question to ask. God says, honor those people in those positions. I've put them there. I put them there. Show them honor. You don't have to agree with everything they're doing. You certainly don't have to encourage bad things that they're doing. But there's an expectation that you'll show them honor. In Romans 12.10, it says this. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor, giving preference to one another. So we've got this long list of people to show honor to, and included in that long list is each other. Those of you in the church, honor each other. Show honor to each other. That's a long list. Let's see, what have we gone through? We've gone through uh, honor God, honor parents, honor spouse, honor the older people, honor the ministers of the gospel, honor the boss, honor the widows, who really are widows, honor the king, honor each other. That's a pretty long list. My challenge to you today is to think about your relationships and think about those categories of people, and maybe there's more for you when you think about it, that we are to show honor to, and you haven't been. Who is it in your life that you have been withholding honor from? I would encourage you to pray about that and think about that. Maybe it's a parent that you've had an issue with. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe that's somebody a parent or a grandparent who is older, maybe they're living alone, maybe they're in a nursing home, whatever it is. You know, in our society, we, we've, we've come to the point where when people get old, you just sort of box them up, put them away. Who is it in your life that needs to receive honor from you? I want you to imagine that there is a... Uh, there is a, an entourage of military people in crisp uniforms, perfectly pressed, perfectly fitting, stripes on the sleeves, brass on the collar, all kinds of awards over the left breast, you know, all of those colorful checkerboard things indicating great honors and accomplishments and all of those kinds of things. Everything neat and trim. They walk erect. They walk with confidence. There's a group of them walking, sharp, crisp, clean, shiny shoes down the sidewalk. Inspiring. Walking the other way is an old man with a walker. And his hair is uncombed and his clothes are tattered. And he's not looking up. He's not walking erect. He's hunched over 
and he's just working his way along. They're going to meet each other. Here comes this group of sharply dressed, confidently walking military men. And here comes this old man, all frumpled and shaky. And as they meet, that group of military men notice that in addition to the tattered and frayed flannel shirt that this man is wearing, he has a bright blue ribbon hanging around his neck with a medal. And every one of those military soldiers will stand up and sharply salute that frumpled old man. Because that bright blue ribbon means to them that's a Medal of Honor recipient. And it's not written in any military code that they have to salute. They do it voluntarily. And this happens anywhere in the country. Because they recognize that this man has the highest honor our country can bestow, they will stop and salute that frail, frumpled old man and show honor to him. They don't know anything about him. He might be an alcoholic. He might have just gotten out of jail. It doesn't matter. He's received that award. They're going to show him honor. Someone in your life deserves honor today that maybe doesn't look like it, that maybe doesn't act like it, that maybe doesn't, when you think about it, deserve it, but that's not the call. The call is there are people that God has put in a position in your life, and maybe they failed you, but God put them in that position. And you are to honor them. And the challenge to you today is to think and pray about those people in your life and find that one that you have been holding back honor from. And today is the day to give that honor. Father in heaven, your calling for us, your guidance for us is so far out of our human reasoning. If we were going to put the rules together, we would say that we should honor people who deserve it, honor people who have earned honor. And you clearly are giving us a different call. You put people in positions. You put people in political positions. You put people in positions in our family. You put people in positions of authority over us in our work. And many times we will have disagreements with those people. Those people may be working contrary to your will. But just like Saul, they were appointed by God. Help us to learn anew to honor the people that we owe honor to, as Paul calls us to. And show us today, convict us in our heart of who we have been ignoring wrongly to show honor to. And in so doing, by showing honor to those who truly can honor God. We pray in the holy name of Jesus. Amen. Father, that's our prayer. To be like Jesus in the way that we treat others, in the way that we conduct our lives and in the way that we honor others as a way of honoring you. Guide and bless us and dismiss us today in unity and love and fellowship. Help us to honor you in Jesus' name.